Welcome to the Love and Light Live podcast, empowering crystal lovers to learn and experience the art of crystal healing. Get ready to listen in and follow your soul calling with crystals. Hello, thank you so much for joining me for the Love and Light Live podcast, the number one place for all things crystals, brought to you by loveandlightschool.com. Welcome and thanks for joining me today. This is your invitation to join me as we enter the enchanting world of crystal wisdom, healing, and spiritual transformation. I'm your host, Ashley Levy, but I'm not just a podcaster and educator. I'm also a fellow traveler on this extraordinary journey of self-discovery and healing with crystal energy. I'm absolutely thrilled to have you here with me, where each new episode brings us further down the path to discovering the transformative power of crystals. In today's show, we'll explore the healing properties of sunstone, a crystal for confidence. But before we get started, I'd like to answer one of our listener questions. Remember, you can submit your own questions anytime over at loveandlightschool.com forward slash ask for the chance to have your question answered right here on the show. Discover how you can deepen your spiritual journey and follow your soul calling with crystals. The Love and Light School's award-winning crystal healing certification program opens soon. Go to crystalhealerschool.com. Today's question comes from Nisha. Nisha says, how do you store your crystals to keep them safe and cleansed? That is a great question, Nisha, and I've really varied my storage methods over the years. When I first started out working with crystals, I really just kind of did what I was taught to do based on books that I had read, videos I had watched, workshops I had taken, and at that time, and you have to remember this was, you know, about 15, 16 years ago now, a lot of the thinking about crystals was that they picked up on negative energy really, really easily. And you had to be so careful with your crystals and don't let other people touch your crystals, which I really never followed that rule. I feel like crystals are meant to be shared. Um, But a lot of the teaching around how to store your crystals was that they should be always stored in natural materials. So most of the time there were like very strict rules about this. People said you should store them in silk bags um, or, you know, if you are vegan or don't want to use a material like silk, you could use something like cotton or muslin, um, linen, something that was a natural fiber, wool. Um, But it was thought that because crystals are so sensitive to energy, they need to be stored in these, you know, natural materials. And so if you didn't have a fabric pouch, uh, then you should really be using like a wooden box or something like that. So I did this for a while. I had lots of different kinds of little pouches. I would have loved to have like really beautiful ones. And I did have a couple that were really special and very pretty. But for the most part, I was using inexpensive muslin bags because I had a lot of crystals, and so it was expensive to store them all in these special pouches. Then I had a few wooden boxes that had crystals in them and that sort of thing. But over time, as my crystal collection grew and I was really running out of, you know, things to put them in, and 
finding it increasingly difficult to find what I was looking for when I had to go through lots of different pouches that all looked very similar. I did have for a while a large wooden bowl where all of my my tumbled crystals were stored. So I just had a mixed up bowl of tumbled stones and that was helpful until I got so many that it became increasingly difficult to remember all the ones that I had mixed up around in that bowl. And I'm really glad that I got away from that storage system, even though it looked beautiful and it was so nice to sort of run my hands through those crystals in that big bowl, which sat on my coffee table in the living room. But the crystals were also just kind of like open to the space, right? They weren't closed up in a box. They weren't in a bag. They were just in this bowl, so really they were open to the energy in the space. And I really started to question this whole idea of storing our crystals in order to keep them cleansed, because it seemed to me that natural materials would be more conductive of energy, right? Something that is from the earth, even if it has to be processed a little bit, like wool to make cloth, something like that. Um, it seems like that would be more conductive of energy. And I started reading up on this a little bit, and it seemed like the consensus was, yes, actually these natural materials were, you know, considered, at least energetically, to be more conductive of energy. So then I started to ask myself, well, if they're more conductive of energy, meaning energy moves through them easier, why would I want to use these for storing my crystals? Doesn't that mean that the crystals then, in fact, would pick up on the outside energies easier than if they were stored in a less conductive material, say something like plastic. So although I am not a huge fan of using plastics, if it is something that you're going to have pretty much forever, if you're going to use it over and over, um, I think it's okay. So I have a lot of plastic storage boxes that have the little divider compartments in them and they're meant for beads or embroidery thread, embroidery floss, that sort of thing. And I find that those work really well because most of my crystals are small enough to fit in those little compartments. I can organize my stones however I want. In the very beginning, I was pretty good about cutting little pieces of fabric, like especially felt because it's a little thicker, had a little bit more cushion to line the bottom of those little compartments so that my crystals wouldn't bounce around so much in those compartments and get damaged. But when I say I have a lot of crystals, Nisha, (laughs) I mean it, I have a lot of crystals. So I gave up on that pretty quickly because getting all those little rectangles of felt cut to line the bottom of those storage containers was a lot of effort, a lot of trouble. And I found as long as I didn't jostle those containers around too much when I was working with them, I didn't really seem to have a problem with my crystals breaking. And in fact, it was working out better than any other storage method I had tried before. So this is what I've been doing for years now. I find that I can label the outside of the little bins so I know what's in there. It's easy to just look at the stack of them on my shelf and find what I'm looking for. I try to keep them alphabetized now at this point so the crystals alphabetize within the bins and then the bins themselves alphabetize so it's really easy to pull the crystals that I want to work with, you know, for whatever it is that I'm doing. 
And this method has really served me well. And like I mentioned, it's something I've been doing a really long time now. And I've even in this time since I've been using this method, I've really changed my mind and my perception, I guess, about the importance of cleansing our crystals. I do think it's important, right? Um, I think that we need to have good spiritual hygiene when it comes to our healing tools, to our space, to our own energy body. But I think sometimes there is this fixation on negativity, especially in the wellness community. Um, We see this so much, right? And it really feeds into a lot of notions about purity culture and white supremacy culture. So I've really been actively questioning this concept of cleansing for a few years. And although I think it's important, I think we need to know how to do it. I think we need to do it on some sort of regular basis. Um, I don't place the emphasis on it that I did at one time. At one time in my practice, I cleansed my crystals before and after every single thing I did with them. Every single thing I did with them. And then I had my other crystals that were just sort of sitting around uh, on a rotational practice as well. Because not all my crystals fit in those little plastic storage bins. There are some that are inevitably a little too awkward shape or they're too large. So I have them on shelves. I have them on altars. Um, I have them strategically placed throughout my home in different spaces for different purposes. And so those crystals, I do have to cleanse regularly, right? But it really just depends on the space. Instead of being consumed with this worry about not doing it right or not doing it enough, I let my intuition guide the process. And I think this is really, really important. Listening to your intuition about when something feels off with your crystals, listening to your intuition about when it might be time to cleanse. Like, are you picking up on some energy um, in your space that's not really serving you? Is it sort of you know, affecting you emotionally, energetically, spiritually, it might be time for a good cleanse. So I'm definitely not by any means saying don't do it. It's very important. But I don't think we have to be so vigilant as to do it every single time we pick up our stones. Pick them up and feel them. See what you think. If, you know, they feel like they could use a little bit of clearing, go for it. That's when we have our tools there to support that practice. On the other hand, if they genuinely feel okay to you, honor that, right? Then you don't have to go through the process of cleansing. You still can if you like. And I think, you know, it's good to get in the habit of doing this, make sure that we're comfortable with the practice so that when we do need to do it, it comes really naturally. But I don't think that we have to sort of force this into every interaction with our stones because I think that can almost be a barrier to some of the work that we do with our crystals because we know that there's an extra step. It's going to eat into the time that we have. So many of us are, you know, we're busy. We're trying to connect with spirit in these little sort of stolen moments in the day. And I'm not saying that's the best way to do it. Just saying that's the reality for so many of us. And so if you find yourself in that situation, sort of avoiding your work with your crystals because, oh my goodness, well, if I get them out, first I have to find them and then I have to cleanse them and then I have to, you know, like don't put yourself through that. Just pick them up, create a moment of stillness for yourself, tune into the energy of your stones and see what you're feeling. 
if it feels like it's not in alignment with the energy that you're trying to move into, then give them a cleanse. Give them that clearing, that little reset. But if they feel okay, just go with it. So I know that was a really long answer to your question, Nisha. I hope that this helps. Um, But to give you like a little bit more background on how I store my crystals precisely, everything that fits in those little plastic bead storage bins goes in there. It doesn't matter if I would really love to have it out on my shelf. If it's small enough to fit in there, I have to have it in there. For me, that's just so I don't lose anything. I can keep track of what I have. I don't accidentally buy something that I don't need. Um, That's something I'm trying to be much, much better about now. Uh, Just watching that balance in my passion for crystals and how many crystals I have in my toolkit because, you know, sometimes you have too many and it's hard to work with them all. So if it fits in the storage bin, it goes in the storage bin. And I used to do a little bit different system where I had these numbered so that it was easy to add new crystals to my toolkit. I would just get a new bin, you know, put the crystals in there. So pretty much everything um, at the end of my little organization system were all newer crystals. And every little compartment was numbered. And then I had a note card that went to every little compartment and told me what crystal was in that numbered compartment, where it was from, um, like in terms of the origin or locality, where I got it, where I purchased or acquired it, and then notes about it. Was it tumbled? Was it a slab? Was it a rough cluster? Did it have any special features or anything exciting about it? Um, You know, just anything that I could think to write about that crystal went on the little note card. That system got really difficult, again, also as my collection grew, and although it's a little bit of a pain to keep this many crystals alphabetized, I've learned to just leave a little bit of space in my compartments so that I don't have to move everything when I get a new stone. I can just wiggle a few things around and make some space. And then I have a spreadsheet that's just alphabetical that has all the information that used to live on those note cards. That way I can search for the name of the crystal or I can search for crystals by locality. I could look up all the crystals that I have that are from Morocco, for example. And that can be really, really helpful sometimes based on you know, what I'm doing with my stones. If I'm working on a retreat like I did earlier this year with my friend Nicholas Pearson, the Luminous Pearl, uh, we did our Sacred Stones of Avalon retreat and we focused primarily on British minerals. So if I wanted to find all my British minerals, it would be really easy for me to do that. It would take so much time to search that out when I was writing things on note cards, but having a spreadsheet just makes it really easy. The other thing that the spreadsheet has done for me that I didn't anticipate was sometimes crystals have multiple names and I might organize one of my stones under elephant skin jasper one day and under Miriam jasper another day, even though they're the same stone. Uh, And I've tried to be really good about, you know, just picking one name that's the name that I stick with, but sometimes I just honestly can't remember. And then I end up with duplicate crystals that way also. So this also allows me to search my spreadsheet for alternative names. I've 
popped in a little column for that so that it's really easy for me to find all of my crystals and make sure they're all grouped together, but also so that if someone asks me about my stones, I can share those alternative names with them as well. Because, you know, when crystals do have more than one trade name, not necessarily mineralogical name, there's only really one mineralogical name for each stone, but when there's all these different trade names, it gets confusing. And so it's nice to know that maybe all those different names you've heard are talking about one type of mineral and getting to share that information is so useful. So I hope that that's helpful, Nisha. That's a little bit about you know, how I did it when I started, what the process was like along the way, and where I've landed for now. I'm sure if you ask me in another five years, I will have changed something about this process as well. Um, But, you know, in addition to all those things that are uh, in the little plastic bins, everything else I kind of don't have a great system for. It's just sort of about which altar I might want it to be on. So my larger pieces are more like in my space. Um, Most of them are in my sacred space because I love to be surrounded by my crystals while I'm in my office working. Um, So I have a lot of things on little altars all throughout my office. But then I do have crystals strategically placed in my home. For example, I have some near my entryways, so some by the front door and back door. I have some in the library for specific reasons, some in the living room for specific reasons. Um, And then I have an area that just ended up being kind of a cool little display cabinet that I picked up antiquing and it fits all of my towers really well. It's one of those antique printer's trays. It's hung up on the wall in the library and all my towers are just in there because they fit really well and it's a great place to keep them. Um, So, you know, there are some things that they just make sense to me and make some things easy to find that way and I enjoy it. But find a storage solution that works for you, that's going to make sense with what your needs are. And my biggest piece of advice is don't store your crystals so tucked away that it's a hassle to get them out. Because if that's the case, if you're anything like me at least, the likelihood that you're going to get those crystals out and work with them on a regular basis is really small, right? I find that that is a huge barrier for me. Um, I think being neurodivergent, especially that's something that I struggle with, even if it's something I'm excited about, passionate about, if there's like a roadblock to doing that thing, even if it brings me a lot of joy, uh, and even if it doesn't seem like a big obstacle to other people, Having to like dig through a big bin or, you know, move some things out of the way and get to a box in the bottom of the closet, that wouldn't work for me. And I know that that's hard because so many of us are, you know, we have limited storage space and that sort of thing and you try and just do what works. Um, But definitely make sure that your crystals are easy to access. That's one of the most important things. So Nisha, thank you again so much for your great question. I really appreciate it. And if you're listening and you have a question that you'd like me to answer about crystals or spirituality, or if you have a crystal story that you'd like me to share here on the podcast, you can submit your question or share your crystal experience 
over at loveandlightschool.com forward slash ask for the chance to be featured in an upcoming episode. I look forward to hearing from you soon. When you're learning how to work with your stones and deepen your crystal connection, becoming familiar with the foundational techniques of crystal energy can be really helpful. That's why in my How to Cleanse Your Crystals course, I've shared nine must-know methods for keeping your crystals clear and ready for use because cleansing the energy of your stones helps set the stage for successful crystal work. In this class, you'll learn key information and skills for crystal cleansing, like what cleansing is, why and when to cleanse your crystals, nine methods for cleansing your stones, including step-by-step instructions for each, answers to common questions about crystal cleansing, and so much more. As crystal healers, it's important for us to continue to practice good spiritual hygiene regularly, no matter whether you're creating a crystal grid, performing a stone layout, or meditating with your favorite crystal, properly cleansing yourself, your stones, and your space goes a long way toward ensuring a positive outcome from your crystal work. You'll learn more about all of this when you sign up for my How to Cleanse Your Crystals course. Visit loveandlightschool.com forward slash cleanse to learn more. Again, that's loveandlightschool.com forward slash cleanse. Don't forget to use promo code podcastfan for $10 off your first class. Now it's time to dive into our main topic for today, the healing properties of sunstone, a crystal for confidence. Sunstone is a really vibrant orange variety of feldspar that often displays these really cool, bright, sparkly flashes. These flashes are often orange with hints of gold and sometimes even some iridescent sparkle. If you've listened to the podcast before or read my blog, you know that I like to start these healing properties episodes with an affirmation to accompany your crystal work. Here's the affirmation that came through for Sunstone. I stand in my power in the here and now, and my inner radiance shines forth into the world. I can't think of a better affirmation to accompany the energy of Sunstone. Sunstone is excellent for instilling a sense of joy and happiness. It's also said to help manifest abundance in all forms, not just financial. So this can be an abundance of love, an abundance of healing, an abundance of connection and support. Sunstone promotes healthy self-image, which can help boost your self-confidence and really help you shine that light. It also encourages inner strength and stimulates creativity. It really gets those creative juices flowing. Sunstone is also said to enhance feelings of gratitude, and I found that it really encourages generosity and sharing. And because of that, it's kind of known as a stone of warmth. It warms the heart, it warms the soul, it warms and nurtures our connections and relationships with one another, which helps promote a positive attitude and outlook on life. Sunstone's really interesting in appearance. When it's a little bit lower quality, a lot of times some of the stuff that we see from India, it has more of a mottled orange, peach, and white appearance. It's almost like it has a white base color with these flecks of orange, and sometimes those 
have a bit of flash to them, but not always. In higher quality pieces, we can see a more solid, deep orange color with bright flashes of sparkling orange or iridescent rainbow flecks. Sunstone corresponds to the zodiac signs of Sagittarius, Leo, and Cancer, and to the element of fire. It's connected with both the summer and autumn seasons, which I talked about in a recent episode of the podcast, and its companion flowers are Gallardia, which is commonly known as blanket flower, and a great companion essential oil for sunstone is lemon. If you're looking for a good companion crystal to work with alongside your sunstone, try working with larvakite, which is also sometimes called silver labradorite, although that's a bit of a misnomer because it's not actually labradorite. Sunstone is really found all over the world, but some of the most beautiful pieces come from Norway, Russia, Canada, India, and Oregon in the United States. And in fact, there's a very flashy stone with sort of crosshatch iridescence that's known as rainbow lattice sunstone that's super highly prized among mineral collectors. I'm still on the hunt for a good piece of this that won't totally break the bank. But there's also a really cool translucent variety of sunstone that has sort of a peachy pink shiller or flash that comes from Oregon in the United States. It is really, really cool because it looks pretty unassuming. It's sort of um, like colorless, transparent, sometimes with a little hint of yellow or gold to it. And it almost looks a bit like a rough topaz or a rough sapphire, if you've ever seen something like that. But if you turn it and get it in the light just right, you can see that pink shiller. And it looks like the color of sunset trapped in a stone, and it's so beautiful. But let's talk a little more about sunstone itself. Sunstone is actually a type of feldspar, similar to moonstone and labradorite. It has a warm, sparkly look due to included bits of hematite, goatite, or sometimes even copper that are naturally included in the stone. Sunstone has an extremely positive, warm, outgoing energy, which makes it perfect for people who have trouble putting themselves forward socially. So my fellow introverts, this one's for you. It's associated with a sense of joy and can be especially helpful for supporting you as you chase away the winter blues. I know this one rarely leaves my desktop during the winter months. We all live under one sun. It's something we all have in common. And this sense of belonging is at the core of sunstone's energetic vibration. It's a constant reminder of oneness and your interconnectedness with all creatures. This crystal helps you discover what it's like to truly feel that you belong. This crystal is helpful for introverts, like I mentioned, as it embodies joy and reminds you that all of us have value. All of us have something to share and it encourages us to do so. Everyone has something to contribute to this world. So work with sunstone to help you release any fear or blocks that might be holding you back from that or making you feel uncomfortable so that you can shine your light. If you find yourself being really drawn to sunstone, you likely have a bit of a fiery personality or on the flip side, you may need a little boost of this energy, but you're likely very creative and excel at your self-expression. 
If you've chosen to work with a stone, you may have a tendency to be quick to anger at times. I would know I am a fiery Sagittarius, but this is only because you feel deeply and passionately about things. But you're most successful when you can keep this in check and use your feelings as motivation to take action and change the things that you don't like about your current situation. Remember that you are a powerful creator and you can do amazing things when you put your mind to it. And sunstone acts as a really great touchstone to help you remember that. Sunstone radiates happiness and joy. And I think it's important that, you know, so many of us get caught up in this idea of success that doesn't necessarily align with our embodiment of joy. And your personal measure of success really should be based on whether or not you feel happy in your life. Because even if you have loving relationships and financial success or prestige or other typical measures of success, it will all feel meaningless to you unless you feel happy within. So remember that you can achieve happiness and joy in a myriad of ways on your own terms, whether that's in your career, with your hobbies, in your relationships, It's important to feel like your time here on earth matters and that it counts for something meaningful and real. And if you want to make this a priority, you can have all the success you need, all the success you've dreamed of. And working with Sunstone helps you keep this top of mind, helps remind you that there are lots of different measures of success and that you need to be in alignment with what feels authentic to you and with what brings your life meaning and joy. So I also want to share a bit of sunstone lore with you. Sunstone is such an attractive crystal that people have been noticing, collecting, and wearing it for a very long time. Some ancient people believed it consisted of pieces of the sun that had fallen to earth during a solar eclipse. And it's funny, I'm actually recording this podcast on the day of the solar eclipse. So this worked out perfect for uh, working with sunstone today. People throughout history used this crystal as a ward against harm, for example, by embedding pieces of it on the rims of plates and cups to counteract poisoning. Now, we know as modern-day crystal workers, this would not work, but we can still draw meaning from this for our own practice, meaning, you know, for example, that sunstone can be energetically protective and shielding. Now, I'd like to leave you with at least one way to work with sunstone. So to connect with the energy of this crystal, hold a sunstone in your hands or place it in front of you and think about the gifts that you have to share with the world that you might be holding back. That's right, introvert friends, I'm talking to you. Make a list of these contributions, these talents, these gifts, and these things that are really magical about you and call upon your sunstone each time you need strength or support to help you shine your light and embody those things in a bigger way in your day-to-day life. Do you feel intuitively called to work more deeply with your stones? To grow your confidence, knowledge, and connection to crystal energy beyond what you can learn on your own? Our award-winning crystal healing certification program will take you from crystal lover to a confident, certified crystal healer and help you discover your soul's path and crystal purpose. Go to crystalhealerschool.com to learn more. 
Well, that is it for today. I hope that you enjoyed listening and that you learned a lot from today's show. I just want to say thank you so much for tuning in every week. If the discussion today sparked new questions, ideas, or memories of your own crystal experiences, I would love to hear from you. So you can submit your question or share your crystal story over at loveandlightschool.com forward slash ask. If you'd like more information about anything I discussed in this episode, you can learn more over on the website at loveandlightschool.com forward slash blog. And if you did enjoy the show today, the biggest compliment you can give me is to leave a quick rating and a review on your favorite podcast platform or share a link with a fellow crystal lover. I'd also be so grateful if you'd take a moment to share a link to the show on social media. I love getting tagged in Instagram stories with screenshots of the episode that you're listening to, or even a photo of your cozy crystal corner where you like to listen to the show. So be sure to tag me at love and light school so I can say thanks for supporting me and listening. Be sure to visit loveandlightschool.com forward slash listen for a list of our most popular episodes, most recent episodes, and all of the places you can stream this podcast online. Don't forget to subscribe while you're there so you never miss a future episode of the show. And if you're ready to dive deeper with your crystals and take the next steps on your journey, be sure to head over to crystalhealerschool.com to learn more about how you can become a certified crystal healer. I'd love to see you in class, and I would be honored to be your guide on this journey. That brings us to the end of this week's episode of the Love and Light Live podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Levy, and I'll be back with you next time. Until then, many crystal blessings. The Love and Light Live podcast is a production of the Love and Light School of Crystal Therapy. Connect with us online at loveandlightschool.com or on social at loveandlightschool. The content provided on or through our website or podcast makes no claims for specific or general health or health results and should not be used to examine, diagnose, or treat any medical condition prescribe medications, make claims for specific or general healing or health results, or as a substitute for traditional medical treatment. For medical advice, you should consult a licensed healthcare specialist. For more information, please refer to the terms of use on our website at loveandlightschool.com.